Live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a great time with you on this Friday Eve. Beautiful weather in South Louisiana and even better weather right here in the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. My main guy, James Mesh, sitting behind the glass, as always, holding it down and keeping us in line. Hey, we don't have the Blind Bomber, but we still have a full show for you guys today on tap. We're going to start out at 2.30 with Kenny Schmidt of FBWinners.com. He's going to join us, and we're going to talk about the run for the Roses on Saturday and really the whole Kentucky Derby card. See if we can make you guys some money on Saturday. Been some interesting developments over at Churchill Downs this week. Multiple horses going down with injuries. We'll see if Kenny thinks that has any repercussions come Saturday or how he feels leading up to the big day at straight up three o'clock Matthew Bruni of on three is going to join us and we're going to talk all things LSU a lot of movement right now in the transfer portal late movement after spring football how does LSU fit in for some of these guys guys like Logan Diggs from Rummel Went to Notre Dame for a little bit. Says he wants to get in test the waters. How about Trey Amos from Catholic High in New Iberia? From right here at UL. He's jumping in as well. We're going to see what Matthew Bruni has to say about those guys. Oh, yeah, and we'll talk about those Tigers on the diamond as well. Number one, LSU Tigers. Only three SEC series left. Still holding it down. Top five RPI. Number one in the land. How are they going to? finish out the season, heading into the SEC tournament and beyond. And then at 3.30, Rob Fontenot of Astros Baseball Podcast is going to join us, and we're going to talk about those Houston Astros and those nagging injuries in that rotation. Luis Garcia, the latest to go down with injury. We'll see how they face that adversity early in the year. Right now, just kind of hovering around 500, dropped the series to the Giants. After the loss yesterday, 4-2. to two. Seems like pitching might not be so much the issue as getting timely hits or just hitting the baseball, period. Getting on those base pads. That's something that they struggled with in the homestead. Right before that homestead, though, they seemed to figure things out after consecutive wins against Toronto, Atlanta, and Tampa. We'll see if they could get back on the winning track. And Rob Fontenot at 3.30 is going to tell us a little bit about that. And of course, if you want to get in and join in on the fun, you can head on over to Twitter at the Game Louisiana and vote on today's poll question, which we have some interesting thoughts on, both Mesh and myself. Should college football feel the need to avoid scheduling conflicts with the NFL? Yes, the NFL is king. No, college can compete. Maybe for the big games or football. What's football? I watch soccer. Huh. I don't know if we'll get too many runs on that answer on the poll question. 
I, I think college football can compete, especially in this arena and on this day. And if you want to get your thoughts out there vocally, of course, you could hit us up on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. Look, they're not saying they're going to compete a ton. It's one week. It's one week. And, of course, we're talking about the 2024 college football playoffs, which was announced the schedule this week. And it's going to go a little something like this, James, to remind you and the listeners. First-round action of the tournament is going to happen on campus venues, right? So the first game is going to be on a Friday evening on December the 20th, 2024 again. One game that evening. No big deal, right? The next day on Saturday, December the 21st, 2024, three games. Early afternoon, late afternoon, and evening. If you don't think college football and NFL, maybe like they picked up the phone and was like, hey, bro, I think we're going to do this. You think you guys could punt? On this Saturday? Yeah, no problem. I think that's what happened. Of course, they're going to follow that up with quarterfinal action, and they're going to utilize the bowl games that we're all used to, right, for these quarterfinal matchups. Tuesday, December the 31st, 2024, in the evening, you'll have the Fiesta Bowl hosting a game. And look, I know it's a Tuesday, but it's a holiday, right? I mean, they play the national championship on a freaking Monday. So who cares that it's on a Tuesday and it's a holiday? And, of course, on that Wednesday, the day that we all grew up watching the big college football games, New Year's Day, January 1, 2025, the Peach Bowl, the Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl will all host quarterfinal matchups. Semifinals will then happen the following week on the Thursday and Friday, December 9th and the 10th. They'll be utilizing the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. And then, finally... On Monday, January the 20th, 2025, in Atlanta, they're going to host the playoff national championship. So, look, I think if they were going to try to go up against the NFL week in and week out, yeah, absolutely, probably wouldn't be a good idea. I don't think the NFL would like that, quite frankly. I think both fan bases have loyalty surrounding them. The structure works really well. They're not trying to compete with the NFL. I'm telling you, these guys had conversations. They made sure they knew the intentions of making that happen. What say you, James? Yeah, I'm kind of with that. I think whoever, if you're more of a NFL person or if you're more of a college person, you're going to lean that way. Now, I know last year, because of how the Saturday fell, it was right before Christmas, so they didn't have as many games, so they played a lot more on Saturday. But I think... Depending on the matchup, you're probably going to want to go watch the college football playoff game more. You don't think the NFL is just going to completely punt on that day and say, look, college football, you have this day. It's all yours. We'll play Saturday the following week. When you're not going to play on the weekend, that following week, you're, you're telling me you're not going to play that weekend. We'll play that weekend. You think that? No, I, I think they'll still have like a game or two because okay. they, us- they usually do that. Like whenever, but, but they do that because they're not going up against anything. Right. Right? It's a dead time. In between... You have, uh, what, early December, you have conference championship games. And then you typically have just a lull in the scheduling. There's not much going on, right? But between that and when the bowl season typically starts, December 20th, you know, around that time. And and on those days, you typically have lesser bowl games, right? You're not going to have big-time matchups. In this case, you're going to have a pretty big matchup. It's going to be the college football playoffs. So it's going to be a better product that the college football 
world is going to put on display. I think that the NFL is going to say, ah, we'll wait. No big deal. We'll play Sunday. We'll play Sunday. Y'all have this Saturday, and we'll, we'll ramp our games back up the following week. Which has always been weird to me because toward the end of the season, I don't know why they do Saturday games. It, ta- well, I, I it, takes, a, it takes a day away. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's exactly what I just said. Because you, you, there's no comp. There, there's no competition. So you're able to put your product on with nothing else on, and people are craving football, right? It's right in the middle of football season, especially big-time football at that point, right? The NFL are kind of gearing up towards the playoffs. Right, you're, you're starting to figure out where the divisions are going to land, who's going to win it, or like this may decide it that week. And then you typically flex games, right? So you're going to put bigger games on those days so you get more eyes on your product. I think in this case, I, I just think the NFL says, ah, we're good. If you're going to put on a quality product on that Saturday, and it will be, it's going to be three games, early afternoon, a late afternoon, and an evening game. All going to be marquee matchups. All on college, college campuses. Great atmospheres. Great pageantry. I think the NFL says, we're good, college football. You, you have your time. Yeah, unless unless there's a matchup that pops up during that week where they're like, I don't think there aren't going to be too too many people that are going to want to watch that matchup anyway, whether we make up on a Saturday or a Sunday. So they, I think they could, depending on who plays who, it'll could be still, throw it, right? still throw it that Saturday. I think it'll be some intriguing matchups too because this is going to be the first time that you have more teams in the college football playoffs. So you're going to get – Probably some mid-majors down on the bottom half that are going to be trying to compete. Is the college football going to have the allure of you know the March Madness tournament? Probably not. Probably not. It won't have as much you know parity in, in it. So I, I think I, I just think that the brand, the loyalty, it'll it'll happen for the college athletics on that day. Right now, no college football can compete is in first with thirty five percent. Yes, NFL is king thirty one point six. Maybe for the big games in at 26% and 7%, so maybe it's just James that voted. Football? Question mark. I watch soccer. Head on over to Twitter and get in on the action at the game Louisiana. Turn our attention now to the NBA. Right in the middle of conference semifinal matchups and... So far, there's been some good ones right now. You, you have New York and Miami both tied at a game apiece. You have Boston... And Philly, each at a game apiece, so the East is very much. I, I think the East is any one of those four teams could win on any given night. I don't think there's really a standout. There's teams battling injuries, like the 76ers. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's wide open in the East. James, who, who would be your pick right now to win the East? I mean, if you had to make me pick against my Boston Celtics... I'd probably go with the Sixers. the The Heat are very scary, especially just with hot. You know, they are hot, and playoff Jimmy is like the reincarnation of Michael Jordan. <laughs> Come on, man! Come on, <laughs> it's something close to that. But the Knicks, I'm the least convinced about the Knicks. Oh, you, I think you're just trying to bait a caller. Is what you're trying to do? It may be a little bit of a bait, but it's to me, it's also the truth. I just I don't believe in the Knicks. There's no standout guy. I know Julius Randle's really good. Jalen Brunson has been incredible for them since he signed with the Knicks over the offseason. But I don't think that that team has enough to be a championship-caliber team. Fair enough. I mean, they, game two, they were able to come up with the victory 111-105. to Because I, I don't even think they get past Miami. 
I think I still say it'll be Boston and Miami in the conference finals. With no Jimmy Butler, right? In game two is the story. Exactly. So it's And if if you had seen Jimmy at the end of the game, he was grinning. Oh, I saw. I saw. It was like ear to ear. If you're grinning that big and your team just lost and you know you're going to to me, you're just going to come back and you're going to absolutely crush them the next few games and you're going to win the series. I I I tend to agree with you there just cuz they've been so hot. Right. But when a team's that hot and then they drop a game and you know they came in as the 8 seed, does that make them oh wait, are we hard, are we are we who everyone thinks we are? Is that is that what's going to happen there or does Jimmy come back and he just goes right back into form? I think it goes right back into form cuz he's not like a guy that shoots volume-wise from behind the arc or even mid-range. He's a guy that likes to drive to the paint, create contact, and draw fouls. So that's not something that you need to really get into a rhythm as much for as you would need to shoot a bunch from behind the arc. So him coming back, I don't think they're going to miss a beat when he comes back. And, and, the- and it's also it's the same thing with the Cavs when LeBron was with them. You would see the Cavs, they would be the 3, 4, 5 seed, and you're like, What's up with them? They only won like 44 games. They only won 45 games. But then you see them, they just roll through everybody in the playoffs in the East, and you're like, oh, yeah, because they they didn't care as much. They just kind of went on cruise control. It's the same thing with Jimmy Butler in these Heat. They kind of cruise control through the playoffs, do just enough to make it, but then as soon as they make it, they, turn it make their, they turn it up, and they make their stamp in the playoffs. On the Western side, I, I think, Denver up 2-0 against the, the Phoenix Suns. They, they look to be the class there. And, of course, LeBron James and the L.A. Lakers 1-0 over Golden State. They, they shut down Steph in game one uh, down the stretch. They, they were able to slow him down, make it uncomfortable for him, and they couldn't stop AD. Right. A- you know, a- AD had a 30-20 Yeah. That, threw up some blocks as vintage, well. Vintage AD there, right? Somebody that could just go in and take control. I- I'm not sure if uh, you get that AD with that much energy the entire series, but boy, if they could get him for three games. Right, because I don't pray for an injury, and I don't want to predict an injury, but it's like if, if <laughs> AD goes down again like he tends to do, the Lakers' chances of winning – the series and winning the playoffs goes down significantly. And it seems like LeBron's learned his role a lot better, right? And he's always accepted his role on this team a little differently. Yeah, let the young guys work. Yes, and get them involved. That's what he does. He's a great facilitator. Because D'Lo, he's been really good ever since they got him, ever since they got Rui Hachimura from the Wizards in that trade. Like that, Ever since they got those acquisitions to add to their roster, they've looked so much more fluent. They've looked like so much better of a basketball team. And we were talking about them as the like 12, 13 seed early on, but as soon as they got that, they turned their season around about midway, made the acquisitions, and ever since then, they have been a threat in the playoffs. I mean, so who do you who do you like in the series? You you do like the Lakers? I this is a tough one. I would probably lean towards Golden State, and I would probably take them in seven. Of course, tonight you could f- catch game two. Golden State six and a half point favorites tonight. That's a that's a line you like. Over under two twenty seven and a half. It's funny because I was talking about that with the Celtics game last night. They were at seven and a half, eight points, and I was like, I'd probably prefer the Laker or the Celtics 
in f- with four. But then I was like, knowing my luck, they'd probably win by like 12 plus, And here you go. They win by 34. So I, it, it is kind of a big line. I'd probably lean towards the Lakers with the line. But, I mean, if they get hot and Jordan Poole just doesn't throw up goofy 30-footers with 10 seconds left in the game when they need a three and you can set up a better shot, I think the, I think the Warriors could very easily win by double digits. Well, there you have it. Head to the bank, folks. You could get you a victory right there. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we have plenty of action, including more NBA talk and some Major League Baseball, right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, The Game. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Have you not seen the defending World Series champions in purse yet? Well, don't worry, because the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland Athletics on Saturday, May 20th, and you can be there. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com to secure four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Don't agree with what Jordy has to say? Not to worry. He's always open to a healthy debate. Well, Dean, I'm, I'm glad that you asked that Actually, question. Actually, I'd like to jump in and take that one, Jimmy, if you don't mind. Have at it, Hoss. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Now back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for Jordy and enjoying my time so far with you on this Thursday afternoon. Of course, my main man behind the glass, James Mesh, keeping us in line and controlling the flow. Of course, if you want to dive in and talk about college football playoffs with the poll question, NBA, little Astros, or anything in between, make sure you hit us up on the game hotline at 706-0111. And I didn't mention this at the top of the hour, but hey, if you want to catch us on TV here in Acadiana, you can watch us on Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and on 133 LUS Fiber. James, where, where did you weigh in on the college football? Did, did you get a vote in? I, I didn't catch that. I didn't officially vote, but I would probably end up going with, like, you'd probably have to do it for the big games. Like, you'd move, I'd say move the big-time matchups out that would make a big difference for a division in the NFL. But it's like, if it's a, like, Jacksonville versus, or, like just two bad teams like, like that aren't going to do much. Like, you know, you could throw a, a mediocre game against the college football playoffs, and nobody will care. Right. Like I don't. Th- it's not really going to make a difference if you're going to want to go watch the big playoff games and the bowl games. Like, are you really going to be like, wow, I really need to go watch the Cardinals versus the Titans on a Who on cares? a Saturday <laughs> afternoon? That's what I'm saying. Like, do you really want to go see? The Cardinals versus the Titans, or would you rather go see the Rose Bowl on a Saturday afternoon? Understood. Completely understood. But if it's the big-time matchup, yeah, keep it on Sunday. That way you don't have to worry about it. Well, hey, speaking of some matinee, a lot of baseball games started out early. One of them strikes my mind a little bit there, James. How about the Angels? Los Angeles Angels up 11-7 to against the St. Louis Cardinals. How bad 
have the Cardinals been? I mean, they've been awful. Outside of that Oakland Athletics, I don't know if there's been a team that's been as bad as the Cardinals, 10-21 and 21 on the season. This is a team a lot of people thought would have contended for playoff consideration and, and would have been there down the stretch. I'm not saying it's done. It's Look, folks, they play a lot of ball games, but look, the teams that are hovering around 500, those are the teams that more have my, my attention. These guys are 10-plus games below 500. Are they playing themselves out already after a month of the season? Right, you talk about the athletics at six and twenty-five, but I mean, there's also a couple of guys in the Central Division. The White Sox, they're ten and twenty-one. Yeah, that's another I mean, team. They start off a little hot, getting a couple of games on the Astros to start the season, but then the Kansas City Royals, eight and twenty-three right now. Both of them are three and seven in their last ten. So it's like they're not playing that great of baseball either. On the flip side of that, I mean, Tampa Bay just keeps winning 3-2 winners over the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, hey, look, don't look now. Pittsburgh has been one of the best teams in the National League, coming in at 20-12 and on the season, while Tampa's just the best team in baseball, and they continue to find ways to win 26-6 and on the season after their victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates this afternoon. Hey, did you see the play Wander Franco made last night? where he scooped up the ball right behind second base. He twisted the ball up in the air, mm-hmm. caught and then, it, and then threw the guy out at first. Still got the guy out at first. I did see that. These young guys are making baseball fun, and Tampa keeps finding ways to win with guys like Yandy Diaz and Randy Arozarena. Those guys just they have fun. You can watch them. They're having a good time. And how about this? I didn't notice this. This is a guy that both James and I have on our fantasy baseball team. Taylor Walls, a guy who plays just every position possible outside of catcher and pitcher, solo home run number five on the year for him today as well. The fantasy baseball, are you so are you a guy who's locked in all week or do you start like really locking in later in the week? Are you making moves on Monday and Tuesday trying to pick up pitchers to, to find <laughs> matchups or you wait to do that closer to the weekend? No, I'm still trying to figure out. This is my first time doing fantasy okay. baseball. And the fact that we're doing like rotisserie instead of just regular head-to-head, it's still throwing me off. The way I handle my team is Monday through Wednesday, mm-hmm. I, I rock with what I have. I'm not too worried about the pitching matchups. I, I rock with what I have. And then by Thursday, I'm starting to adjust the lineup. I might sit a pitcher if I'm looking good in some categories. Or I might go crazy on the waiver wire and pick up three pitchers to start for the day. It, it just all varies depending on how those first three days go for me. But that's when I really start getting active on the waiver wire come Thursday morning. But you like you like my pitcher situation, huh? Yeah, I I think I like your pitch. Your I mean, starters. there's you have really good starting pitchers. There's only a, like a million of them, but still. Well, you know, look, guys. James Mess showed me his fantasy baseball roster right before we go on air, and he's like, "Hey, what you think about this team?" I mean, it's like the who's who of Major League Baseball. Almost every damn guy in the lineup is an all-star. And I'm going, who are you playing with? A bunch of 12-year-olds? He goes, oh, there's like seven teams in the league. Okay, no wonder why. They start two of every position, and he has every ace imaginable on his squad with only three relief pitchers. So he's punting on the save categories and whatnot, and he's he's going heavy pitching. Strikeouts and win totals is what James is – is uh, kind of trying to capture there. Are are you? Are that's is that how you guys play? Is it? What are your pitching categories? Wins, losses, saves, hits, strikeouts. Uh, it's 
it's really weird. It's uh, strikeouts, wins, saves, ERA, whip. Okay. So uh, a bunch of different categories. Understand. Uh, look, every league's just a little different, and there's certain. Oh, this one's definitely different. There's. Uh, I play in one league that has a really good category. It's called blown save. So every time you have a pitcher that blows a save, counts against you. Mm. That's that's pretty fun. That could get interesting. That, that makes things real dicey, huh? Yeah, because I there's a few guys, including myself, that I carry like six relief pitchers, and I keep them in my lineup constantly. And I might I only carry two starters, and then I I pick I spot pick up everybody else. So it's a recipe that's worked for me in the past. It's a recipe that I continue to use, but boy, it's been brutal so far to me this year. James, I've had a quite a few blown saves earlier in the week to where I want to sit my whole my whole bullpen the rest of the week. Now, do you guys have a minimum innings that you have to pitch before your your accumulative stats count? Do you have to pitch like thirty innings prior to to your pitching stats stats counting? I'm still trying to figure it all out. Oh man, <laughs> oh man. Like I like I was like I didn't realize until recently how to put people on the IL. So I had like four IL guys at once, all on all on my bench because I didn't know how to put them on the IL. I'm struggling. With, I'm struggling with uh, fantasy baseball, fantasy football, and basketball. I can work with. The more you play fantasy baseball, the oh. more you'll love it and you'll grow. I, I like it better than football. I truly love fantasy baseball. I get in a routine every that's, morning. That's a check in my lineup. It's a grind. You have to be a grinder to like it. You have to love numbers. You have to be patient. It's it's not. Slot for the football, um, you, you know, quick reaction type stuff. You you gotta you lock into somebody. You gotta sit with them for a minute. You, yeah. you got you gotta be in it for the <laughs> long haul. We're gonna see if we could teach. Oh, it's definitely a long haul. We're gonna teach James Mesh a little bit about fantasy baseball. So we're gonna step aside quickly. But when we come back, Kenny Schmidt of FB Winners is gonna join us, and we're gonna talk all things Kentucky Derby right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blonde Bomber, and we've been having a ton of fun talking MLB as well as NBA playoffs. We're going to turn our attention, though, to the Run for the Roses and bring on our first guest of the day, Mr. Kenny Smith of FB Winners. Kenny, how goes it on this Friday Eve? Everybody's doing well. How about yourself? Oh, can't complain. We're ready for an action-packed weekend of sports centered around the Run for the Roses. Tell us how about this this field that we have. Is it is it a strong group of three-year-olds? You know, they all much pretty much cropped up together. Uh no big favorite. I'll be really shocked if the favorite is uh, under five to one. Uh, looks like around the early money coming in has everybody between you know five to one on Forte. His stable mate Tapatrice is five to one. A little early money on Angel of Empire. Been getting a lot of buzz from the Brad Cox born down to six to one. I see those three being probably right around that, that price. You know, as the time goes. The only thing you got to have to worry about is uh, Mattress Mac. We all know who Mattress Mac is. He's going to come in and make that big wager on his furniture promo. So. He's going to say early, he say he's going to put it on Forte. That might drop him down a little bit at round post time. Uh, but other than that, it's going to be a, a double-digit uh, derby winner as a favorite. 
And, and look, when you have a, a group of horses that five to one's the favorite, there's plenty of money to be made, and you don't have to play a win bet, right? You could mix and match and get kind of exotic. What do you feel is the best way to play a race like this? You know, even if you're going to take a win bet, I would highly suggest making a win place to show on a horse because the show bet's probably going to pay at least $6, so you'll probably get your money back. You know, you bet two across on a horse, you're going to get $6 back even if you run his third. Or you might make a little bit of money depending on, you know, the amount of money you wager on. You know, you can make an exact box, you know, with some horses you like. This is going to pay. Uh, a lot of people are being overlooked, different horses. They all, nobody's like super fast. We had a big scratch about an hour ago. Actually, one of the fastest horses in the race scratch, Practical Move, the 10 horse coming out of California. He ran uh, the fastest mile and eighth race this year. He ran two of the fastest mile and the 16th races. He came down with a temperature up his uh, gallop this morning. It's a big, big scratch already. So are you projected it to be a slower pace up front, and does that set up for somebody stalking right behind that first group of horses? You know, normally, um, besides last year, when Red Strike came out the clouds because it was a suicide pace, uh, people don't think it's going to be a real fast pace. That's what you're hearing throughout this whole week, the last several weeks. But I think the race is going to be faster than most people anticipate because Brad Cox's two other horses, uh, Hit Show and Verifying, drew the one hole and the two hole. So they, they're going to have to go to have any realistic shot. They're going to have to go because if not, before that first turn, all the outside horses are going to try to get position. They're going to come down and squeeze those horses. So, and, uh, you know, Reincarnate, which was trained by Bob Baffert, which he's, you know, Bob Baffert's still banned this year. He can come back next year. He's under the uh, tutelage of Tim Yachtin now. He's going to push. Johnny Velasquez rides him, and Johnny rode off this incident and Medina Spirit off of Bob Baffert, and he rides the one on the front end. I think this pace is going to be quicker than people think. Is there somebody able to get up front maybe and walk away with this thing, or are you really think it's going to be somebody coming just off the pace? Somebody coming off the pace. I think somebody in, you know, the fourth, fifth position, you know, you're going to have a horse that drew in earlier because they had a horse, you know, get euthanized or broke down on the track working out. Uh, Skinner, he's the only other horse coming in out of California. He's on a big projection to run a big race. And uh, he's been working really, really well. But he's been doing all his work out in California. You know, a lot of people haven't seen him. He's a forgotten horse. This horse can run. He can close. Uh, he's going to be uppers of 20 to 1, 30 to 1. I would definitely use him in any of your wages. A horse I like is Tappet Trice. I mean, he's he's by you know Todd, Todd Pletcher. You get Luis Saez on board, and he's a great. I absolutely love the horse. Am I crazy, or you think it's somebody I need to seriously consider come Saturday? No, you're spot on, man. Tappet Trice is what I call a beast. He's a real racehorse. People don't realize how good this horse is. Go out without people listening to the radio show. If you're a novice or if you're a professional or whatever, go watch all his races. Go watch his horse. He can do anything. He's what I call a bulldog. He can he can run away from you in the stretch if you let him, and he also can go nod to nod with you, shoulder to shoulder. Go watch the bluegrass. When they coming down the stretch, Athlone's on um, verifying, and when he gets the whip, puts it right in his face, keeps shaking the whip right in the tap of Trice's face. He don't shy one time. He just digs in and pulls away around the wire. This horse is a true racehorse. Is he be somebody that you'd feel comfortable with singling up top, or you don't have that much confidence in him? You know, the only thing is, is a lot of people don't realize this. This is the third year that the Kentucky Derby is using a full gate. Normally they have an auxiliary gate. They're using one gate was made in Australia. And the key to this gate is it's a smaller, tight gate for the horses to fit in because they got to condense it down. Tappet Trice is so big. 
he has issues breaking. That's the downfall. He's coming out the five hole, which I love the five hole. Always dreaming one from the five hole. And uh, California Chrome Gallup from the five hole. But, you know, and Luis is just, you know, Luis is hickory strong. People don't realize that guy's hickory strong. He can knuckle hard. The thing is, if he has any type of issue breaking out that tight ass gate, oh, excuse me, it's going to be tough, man. That's the only, the only negative. And other than that, if he can break out and get position, he's going to be there at the wire. Kenny Smith with us right now on the game hotline of FBWinners.com, breaking down the Kentucky Derby. Kenny, is there anything else on the undercard that our, our listeners might want to pay attention to, maybe a spot player too? Man, I'm going to give you one horse. He's in a turf race. I don't know which race it is right now, but his name is Wolfie Ghost. He's about 15 to 1. Uh, my buddy is a clocker at Keeneland. He's been watching his horse. He watched him over here at Churchill working on turf. This horse is sitting on a big race. But I'm going to give you listen to something a little bit today. I love a horse today coming up in the 10th race. And I haven't given it to only my clients. His name is Churchtown. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line. I almost cashed with him last night at Gulfstream at 13-1. to one. He got nailed at the wire by a big favorite. Well, once again, the big favorite is from Todd Pletcher. He's in this race. But I think Churchtown can win today. And that's at Churchill Downs' 10th race? Churchill Downs, race 10. Number 7 horse, Churchtown. I think he's live at 8-1. to one. This horse is sitting on a massive race. There you have it, folks. Get out there and cash some tickets. Kenny, tell our listeners where they can find all your information at. Y'all can find me at, at @fbwinners on Twitter. That's basically what I use now. My DM is always open. My real name, Kenny Schmidt, with the, the handle is at, at @fbwinners. Holla at me. I'll take care of y'all. Kenny, anything to play with all these horses going down on, at Churchill this week? You know, we we, I, we can get into a lot of things. You know, it's not the track. I'm going to tell you, I've watched every race up for Go back and watch all the replays. The track of sound. It's other things. It's other things behind the scenes that people don't want to talk about. The media don't want to bring it to attention. There's other things that goes on. We all know what goes on, but, you know, that's at another time. Very good, Kenny. Before we go, give me one horse. If I had one horse, you got to place a $5 win bet on, on on Saturday's big race in the Kentucky Derby. Who are you going with? Tap it, Trice. If he breaks, it's over. There you have it, Kenny. I appreciate the time as always, my man. I hope you have a great day and good luck on Saturday. Take care. Let him, hey, let him roll from the quarter pole, baby. Let's get it. Kenny Smith of FB Winners joins us and breaks down the Kentucky Derby, picking up a couple horses there. Heck, he even gave you a play for today if you want to head on over there for Churchill Downs' 10th race, 8-1 to one on the morning line. Give you a little something to work with right there. Be able to take out your Young lady for dinner or something tonight there, James. Go ahead and hit on an eight-to-one shot. We've been talking about chicken tenders a lot offline today with Matt Miguez and, and James Mesh and myself. Argument about what's better, Raising Canes or Popeyes. These young kids, they don't, they don't know better. I know, <laughs> Try, right? Trying to learn them something. <laughs> I can't believe these youngins like Miguel. <laughs> but if you head on over and place your bets for the Kentucky Derby, tap it trice. Seems to be the play that a lot of the smart money's on. When you see a lot of analysts online, on TV, Tappet Trice seems to be the play. Gray horse as well. Beautiful. Five hole has more winners out of any post position in the Kentucky Derby. So take that for what you will. We're going to step aside, but we got plenty of action to come back as we wrap up the first hour right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. 
This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Jordy. And boy, that first hour has gone by so fast. Already in the last segment, and we've been having a great time with all of you folks. We're going to turn our attention to the LSU Tigers on the diamond as the number one LSU Tigers are going to head over to Auburn this week. Auburn fresh out of uh, taking two out of three against the South Carolina Gamecocks. And boy, that was a great series because we know how good South Carolina has been playing. Let's hear what Jay Johnson thought about Auburn. Yeah, playing really well. Um, You know, returning Omaha team again. I think, um, you know, obviously winning two of three at South Carolina and putting themselves in position to sweep uh, with a one-run game on Sunday uh, obviously tells you their potential. Uh, Swinging the bat about as good as anybody. Uh, really good lineup, really good top of the order. Um, you know, so we're going to have to pitch and defend well. Um, you know, Dale has thrown really good on Fridays. Um, you know, they have guys that certainly have really good stuff uh, out of the bullpen. And, yeah, I think it's a, another really good opponent. And I think, you know, once we get through all ten of these weekends, um, to me, they're all the same. You know, meaning uh, you have to play really well to win one one game, let alone win a series, and that's what we'll have to do this weekend. This year, this season, LSU's pitching staff has kind of been a mixed bag. I mean, coming off of that series sweep against Alabama, all three contests, kind of high scoring. LSU's pitching staff really just needs to kind of execute. And Jay Johnson gives us a little bit on that piece. Well, I hope they're excited for every game, um, honestly, and. Um, you know, they're as prepared as anybody can be um, with, with what we put in front of them. It becomes about execution. When we execute well, we get out. Um, when we don't, in this league, you're going to get hit. And if, if you throw balls and give up free bases and then get hit, you're going to give up runs. And we've had a little of all of that, as has everybody in the conference. Um, you know, I don't – we don't really put the opponent in front of them of, like, hey, we're playing so-and-so, want to make it about us and how we execute. And I think that's the best formula for them to be successful. Um, but, hey, again, it's a, it's a returning Omaha team, clear-cut NCAA tournament team at this point in my eyes. Um, so it's going to be a great challenge and, um, you know, one we're looking forward to. Pitching, you know, struggling. He mentioned them throwing balls and then giving up hits after. That was really the problem in that Alabama series. And you had a bunch of pitchers come in. He talks a little bit about wanting maybe to extend some of those pitchers' outings. Um, yeah, I mean, like, 
it depends on what extent to get somebody to six innings, seven innings. I mean, they got to be able to do it. It's not just a conditioning thing. That's the first realm of it. It's like, can they get through the order twice? And how can they get through the order twice or three times? And that's hard. I mean, if again, I can't speak for the rest of the country because we're so immersed in this. Like, um, you know, I don't know that any of Alabama's pitchers made it through the fifth inning this weekend. And that's a really good pitching staff. And they have some really good relievers, so I don't even know that it matters that much. Um, it certainly helps when they do. It means you're usually in a good position in the game. But, yeah, I just – I think one thing we pay attention to is – what can a guy do and asking him to do more than that that's when you get yourself in problems and so um maybe (laughs) this is is the long-winded answer this season lsu came in with some lofty expectations jay kind of tells us a little bit about how the season went it's the way he expected it to go yeah no that's a good question um you know i i asked the players not to get too far ahead of themselves. So I try not to do that as well. I think with this team, you know, having so many guys that can make a positive contribution, it allows you the freedom to, you know, I don't want to say try things, but think ahead a little bit and ensuring we're ultra prepared for what's to come. And so this year it's always been about staying in the moment, task at hand, and then having this bigger picture understanding of, okay, this is what we're going to need down the road, okay? You know, if you get behind in an NCAA tournament game, you can't, you can't freak out, abandon your plan. You have to keep playing the game. Well, these guys do that better than anybody else, you know? Um, okay, a couple guys are down, so some guys have to maybe go in a little bit different direction. Like, I just feel like we'll be ultra-prepared, and that's all you can ask for. And then it just becomes about the play and – I trust our team, you know, in any, any situation. So I kind of look at it more that way. Um, but I will say it's, it's been good to, you know, be able to put things in front of them of what we're going to need to do and have them not lose the focus on right now. And that's just another credit to them, them being dialed in. Look, this is a good Auburn team they're going to play this week. Going to take two out of three against South Carolina a week ago is really nothing to, to sneeze at. And they've, they've kind of been able to do it with a, a mix of um, a, a mix of different types of players. You know, they got a really good catcher in DH, Ike Ursh. He's uh, probably going to be your SEC freshman of the year, and he's been just really good and consistent at the plate. Uh, they they uh, also bring in a guy like Cooper McCurry, who's got an OPS sitting at, you know, 1280. <laughs> so they, they could do it a, a various of different ways. I, I, I look for their Friday night guy, Tommy Vail. Um, he, he's a left-handed journeyman. He's, he's been at Notre Dame and TCU. He's going to be somebody that's going to look to keep LSU off balance. It, it's, it's a big series, though, to me, James. I, I think this is a series that... Um, you never want to take series wins on the road for granted, and that's for sure. Taking two out of three would definitely go a long way. Could they get their third sweep in a row and really gain some momentum? I, I think this is going to be a weird team. I think they're really built for postseason play. I know that sounds funny given the pitching that we talked about and the struggling of uh, you know the starters to be able to go the distance and walking batters, but I, I think this is going to be really hard for a team to beat this lineup two out of three games just because they keep coming at you every batter that comes up can do damage there's not there's not a weak spot in the lineup there really isn't because 
even though we look at Dylan Cruz and it kind of feels like, even though this last year he did really well, it kind of felt like we haven't heard as much from Dylan Cruz. Oh, no, yeah, he's, he's only still, leading the nation in batting right, average. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, like, it feels like he's been a little quiet because he just hasn't hit as much, but he's still hitting 490, whereas before he was at, what, 520? But I, I, I think that as a testament of what you've become to know who Dylan Cruz is, and it's also right. the, the talent around him, you know, that Dylan's getting on base consistently. I mean, he's getting on base half the time he goes up to bat. Guy gets on base, and then you got somebody batting behind him like Tommy White who could absolutely drop nukes out there. It's just there's so many good hitters in this lineup. And, and then you get a guy like Jones come up, and he could just hit the ball over the scoreboard. So I, there's no way you could take off for a batter in this lineup. You walk a couple guys, they're going to make you pay. They're just so good. It was nice to see Gavin Dugas get on board with a home run this week against Southeastern. Maybe he's kind of been sputtering just a little bit in that leadoff spot. Um, I, I trust Jay Johnson wholeheartedly, but I was kind of interested to see maybe moving up Trey Morgan to the leadoff spot given the struggles that Dugas has had over the last couple of weeks. But hopefully he's starting to come out of those troubles. Um, you get Plaxton King back, Kling. He's been dynamite. He hit the ball Sunday. I, I went to the box on Sunday, James, and he hit one in the bottom of the eighth, about 440 in the power alley to left, that just got out with little effort. I, I, he's going to be a superstar on this team. There's just no way you could take off batters in this lineup. Well, we're going to step aside for the last time in the first hour, but stick with us on the first segment of the next hour. We have Matt Bruni of On3 right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live and local, this is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back into the Jordy Holtberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a large time with all of you on this Friday Eve edition of the Jordy Holtberg Show. My guy, James Mesh, still behind the glass, holding us down. And, of course, we're broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. I want to get to a lot of stuff, but more importantly, James, I want to get over quickly to the game hotline and bring on our guy, Matthew Bruni of On3 Sports, to talk a little LSU. Matt, how goes it on this Friday Eve? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Uh, just... Uh... It's beautiful weather, so I've been trying to get outside a little bit more, but a lot of work LSU is obviously keeping me busy. Keeping you busy. There's never a dull moment when it comes to LSU athletics. Let's first turn our attention to the LSU Tigers on the gridiron. Just wrapping up spring practice, what do you take out of spring? What are, what are some of the guys that you think jockeyed the most for position and set themselves up for when fall camp starts? Yeah, there's uh... – a lot of interesting storylines throughout the spring. Um, obviously, the one on offense, you know, we know about the quarterbacks. We know about the wide receivers. We, for the most part, know about the offensive line. I think, for me, on offense, it was about the running back scene uh, with only two scholarship uh, running backs available, Noah Kane and Trey Holly, who's a freshman, uh, come, who come in. 
I I just I'm really interested to see if they go in the portal and maybe try to add another one and try to really round out this running back room because while they have plenty of names here, there's not a lot of reliable depth beyond, you know, I think Josh Williams comes back and is starter. Noah Kane is good, but there's just so many questions. So the running back room was one I was interested in on offense. On defense, I think it was interesting to see Harold Perkins move around a bit, uh, go to inside linebacker. Uh, they did say on third down packages and pass rush packages, he'll be on the edge a bit more, but he was kind of the one I was looking forward to seeing the most, and uh, we got to see him at inside linebacker. But, yeah, a lot of injuries, a lot of player, players not participating uh, on defense, especially with Mason Smith and Makai Wingo out. So um, plenty of young guys got to make their mark, and it was uh, really beneficial for us to see. Well, you're going to force it out on me. I was going to wait and do a little transfer portal talk, but uh, it's too exciting, so I want to get to it now. It, it seems like it's almost our third wave of transfer portal news you know after spring ball a lot of guys testing the water and a lot of Louisiana flavor joining the transfer portal this week we'll start at that running back position that you just mentioned needing more bodies and seeing if hey there might be LSU guys that would test the transfer portal but none did got a couple LSU or excuse me Louisiana ties in AJ Allen from Neville coming out of Nebraska as well as Logan Diggs from Rummel High School coming out of Notre Dame. Is that somewhere LSU looks to test? And which one of those two guys you think is more likely to end up in purple and gold? Yeah, I think um, both of those are really interesting names. And um, like I mentioned, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if LSU took a swing at them. I think running back in safety are two that they're looking pretty heavily at right now. Uh, Logan Diggs, um, I think, is very, very – it's going to be a name LSU fans want to watch. He is taking a visit to Ole Miss. Uh, on Thursday, which we we got that information earlier today. So it will be a competition for him. But like you said, out of Louisiana, um, out of Archbishop Brummel in Metairie. So I think LSU is in a good spot with him. uh, But we'll have to see how the visits play out. I I mean, there's been some talk about Keon Coleman, the receiver out of uh, Michigan State, uh, that we'll see how that goes. He's visiting Florida State this weekend. So there's just... You know, there's, like you said, there's a second window here where LSU is going to try to get some players and try to round out that roster. Um, so it, it, it will be interesting to watch. Another position that seems to be just kind of scarce is the cornerback position. Uh, look, Latrice Welsh is the only guy on the roster in the spring that returns. There's a ton of new names in the roster that could be another place to go into the transfer portal. How do you see that cornerback room shaking out? Yeah, like you said, it's really complicated with Welsh as the only st- or returner. Uh, they add Denver Harris, they add Zion Alexander, they add J.K. Johnson, uh, they add Deuce Chestnut, a bunch of names that people in Louisiana might not know, but they've been starters at their respective schools for at least you know a season or two. So um, a lot of competition there. We saw that in the spring. We saw a lot of different guys start. Um, I think uh, Terrence Welsh really showed out this year or this spring. Uh, Denver Harris is a lot of people's pick to be the cornerback uh, one, and he was kind of in and out of the starting lineup. So then you just got a lot of names. There's Alexander from Southeastern, who was an FCS All-American. I think he's, he put himself in position to contribute this year. Um, and then we'll see if they go transfer portal with any safeties or corners. I mean, uh, Trey Amos from uh, UL uh, is obviously a name that uh, has been talked about over the past few days. So there's a there's a lot of uncertainty in the back end of this defense, but I think there's enough talent to where there's not a lot of concern from Matt House and this this staff. 
looking at high school recruiting now. They, they kind of seem to be uh, off to a hot start in the class, but there's a, a lot of Louisiana dominoes that feel like they could pop at any moment. Do you think some guys are already on commitment watch going into the summer? Yeah, I mean, like you said, they've they've done a great job with Louisiana at this point, um, particularly if you look at the top of the class and Tredez Green and Collage Coppins and Deshaun McBride. Uh, there's And this is talking about the 2024 class, obviously, as we look ahead. Um, I think that there will be a run at some point. It's just figuring out when that run happens. It happens every year at every school. There's a run of about three weeks where they get, you know, 10, 8, 9, 10 commits, and it seems like, all right, this is the run. We're just going to have to wait to see when that is at this point, but they've done a great job with Louisiana at this point um, at this point in the year, and they're still in it for guys like Dominic McKinley out of uh, Acadiana and Wardell Mack um, out of John Arrett. So guys like that, Tylen Singleton, I mean, there's a real chance LSU ends this class with the top seven players in Louisiana, top eight players in Louisiana. I mean, that, that would be a great year by anybody's, you know, um, measurement. A lot of coaches on the road too right now with spring football starting all around the country on the high school level. Is LSU coaches on the road this week? Any notable visits that we could look out for? Oh yeah, they they are uh, moving around um, now. They a lot of them. Uh, Joe Sloan, for instance, the quarterback coach, uh, visited Florida to visit Colin Hurley, their, their 2024 commit at quarterback. Um, but other than that, he's been really focused on the 2025s. Uh, Joe Sloan is a quarterback's coach who is very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, very eager to go after the top quarterbacks in the country every single year. He did that 2024, didn't quite work out uh, 2023 as well uh, when they was going after a couple of the top guys. And then, you know, Ricky Collins is a good quarterback, but I think Finn was number 11th or 12th in the quarterback ranking. But, yeah, Joe Sloan is a guy who's going to continue to go after those top quarterbacks in the country we've seen that so that's where he's been he's been visiting like i said colin hurley in florida then making his way around the country to visit some of the other guys uh frank wilson uh is mostly in uh louisiana new orleans the 2025 class for louisiana at running back is incredibly stacked two of the top you know five ten running backs in the country in louisiana are in louisiana so he's been there and then it's kind of just everyone else um locking down louisiana first uh you know they'll all make their drive to wherever they're located and wherever they got to get in the state and then kind of going from there to spots like Houston and Dallas and so on and so forth. Talking with Matt Bruni of On3.com, Bengal Tiger, right now on the game hotline. And before we get off of football, if you had to pick just one name, the next name to pop, who is it? Who? There are a a lot of names. There are a lot of names here. Um, The next name... See, I could very well see Wardell Mack and Dominic McKinley popping at some point, but I don't. I'm not sure how soon that is. But I'd probably go with one of the Louisiana guys. Those those two are probably on the top of my list. Tylen Singleton probably will wait a bit, but I'd go with one of the Louisiana guys. I mean, there are there's been names in Texas that have been talked about a lot, but I'll kind of leave those out for 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 now. I think folks in these parts are really excited to hear about Dominic McKinley possibly leaning towards LSU. Uh, who would ever thought it, but we're going to turn our, our attention to women's basketball right about now. And LSU fresh off of getting huge commitment, <laughs> number one player in the transfer portal, but it doesn't stop there for Kim Mulkey and these Lady Tigers. Tell us more about 
their interactions in the transfer portal, and we all know we want to know when is Morrow going to pop. <laughs> Yeah, Anissa Morrow, um, like we said, Haley Van Lith was the number one player. Anissa Morrow is the number two player, according to ESPN. Uh, I've watched you know, Anissa Morrow play, and she's terrific, 25 points, 12 rebounds. Um, they, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out exactly what her timetable is right now, uh, but I do think LSU is in a good spot. I think that's what really matters here is it doesn't matter when or how it works out as long as, you know, obviously if LSU gets her, so... I think LSU's still in a good spot. Um, there's talk about whether she's going to go on a South Carolina visit or not this weekend. I could see her choosing to kind of close down everything and make a decision, but uh, we'll have to see over the coming days how that goes. But I do think LSU's in a really good spot with her. And is that where the, the transfer portal news stops for LSU, or you think they, they go after somebody else as well? Yeah, so they still have two more spots if they get Morrow. Um from what I understand, I think they're gonna they're they're not rushing anything right now because I mean if you look at their roster, it is it's deep, it's talented. Uh, some people want another center, uh, some people want another shooter, so they could obviously go get another player or two if they wanted to. Um, because in women's basketball, you're allowed 15 scholarship players, whereas on men on the men's side, you're allowed 13. Uh, regardless, I could see them going after. Uh, one or two more players in the portal. I, I think a, a five that can defend and rebound, kind of replacing the Dave Williams would be uh, probably the best bet there. But, um, yeah, I mean, with this the team they have right now, if they can add Anissa Morrow, I mean, we're looking at the best offensive team in the country uh, with Morrow, Reese, Van Litt, Flaugier Johnson, Michaela Williams. I mean, it's an incredible team. As far as the, the men on the hardwood, they're, they're looking to kind of retool their roster as well. Can you tell me where we look to, to see this LSU team kind of fill out their roster going into next year on the basketball on the men's basketball side? Yeah, uh, they've, they've done a lot of their work already. Uh, they've added um, guys like Jalen Cook out of Tulane, uh, Carlos Stewart to the Baton Rouge native, um, Jordan Wright, Baton Rouge native from Vanderbilt. So they've, they've done a lot of their work already. They have one spot left there in it with for um, Joe Girard, a transfer from Syracuse, who's a great shooter, a six-one guard. So they have one spot left. We'll see if Girard takes that. It's either LSU or Clemson for him. And if not, then they kind of reset from there. But they're they're not in a rush. Uh, if Girard doesn't commit, they're kind of weighing their options in the transfer portal. So. Yeah, I think they've done a good job. They've added a lot of offense, so if nothing else next year, they should be able to score the ball. Wrapping up right now with Matthew Bruni of On3.com, Bengal Tigers. Uh, we hit on most of the sports. We'll turn our attention a little bit to the LSU Tigers on the baseball diamond. Big series with Auburn coming up. You like LSU's chances on the road this weekend? I do. Um I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing that they won their midweek this week, considering <laughs> the last two weeks they've lost their midweek and then went on to sweep their, their SEC opponents. But, yeah, took care of business on Tuesday against Southeastern. Uh, Auburn at 9-12 and 12. coming into this game. I, I mean, you know what you're going to get from Paul Skeens on Fridays. You hope you win that Friday game, and then you go from there. So um, I think Ty Floyd, even though he's had uh, some ups and downs, I think they trust him a lot. And then Christian Little on that Saturday, on that Sunday spot, um, I think has turned into a pretty reliable Sunday guy. Just if nothing else, get them nine or ten outs and kind of go from there. But yeah, I mean, six straight, uh, two straight sweeps for 
LSU on the SEC side of things, I think that it's very likely that they continue to win series and win two out of three this week. If if they're going to really make their ultimate goal and bring home the championship from Omaha, I think you're going to have to have one guy really step up out of the bullpen. At this point in the year, who do you think that guy would be? Yeah, um, there's been – I mean, Gavin Gidry's name there that I'm I'm really interested in. They've, they've pitched him a good amount. They're trying to see uh, get him back. There have been so many injuries in the back end that – one thing, one thing that Jay Johnson talked about a lot this year is their ability with Skeens and Floyd to extend a bit, and that sets them up really nicely for the Sunday games or even uh, the Saturday games as well. I think a guy like Gidry is an interesting player to come in and give them um, give them innings. You know, they they threw Blake Money on on Tuesday. I mean, they've they've thrown a lot of different guys here to kind of get them reps, and with the injuries that they've had. I I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to to go down, you know, to get guys like Bryce Collins and Nate Ockenhauser um, and, and guys like that in, in the mix. Matt, appreciate the time, my man. Get out and enjoy that weather. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. Matthew Bruni of On3. Bengal Tigers joins us, and we talked everything. LSU Tigers, we hit from the gridiron to the women's hardwood to the men's hardwood, wrapping it all up with a little baseball love. Nothing like just getting it all in, huh, James? Figuring out all the LSU landscape with one guess is definitely ideal. Oh, man, when you can get it down with everything, with every single sport with one guy, I mean, come on. What's better than that? It's interesting that everybody's so geeked up about women's basketball transfer portal. If I would have told you that a couple years ago, say, hey, look, guys are going to be on pins and needles (laughs) waiting for women's basketball transfer portal news, you would have thought I was crazy. People down here in South Louisiana are craving it. Every time I get on Twitter, get on the message boards, it's all you ever see. People really, really want that women's basketball portal news. Well, <laughs> when you've got as good of a program as Kim Mulkey has with the LSU Tigers, how could you not be interested? You couldn't be interested more. They're exactly right. We're going to step aside quick. When we come back, we got more Major League Baseball talk as well as, hey, some Houston Astros from the Major League side as well. So stick right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Brobridge, Tro- the Brobridge Crawfish Festival is returning this weekend in Park Hardy in Brobridge. General admission tickets range from $5 to $15, and you can buy an advanced three-day pass for $25. The musical lineup includes Wayne Toops, Zaidi Cajun, Jamie Bergeron, and the Kicking Cajuns, Gino Delafosse, and French Rock and Boogie, and Chubby Carrier, and the Bayou Swamp Band, and so much more. Great food, great music, and great times at the Bro Bridge Crawfish Festival. For more information, visit www.bbcrawfishfest.com. Jordy Holberg was draining three-pointers with ease way before Steph Curry came on the scene or was even born. Now, back to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Viatar filling in for Jordy and having a great time this afternoon. We've hit on a a lot of subjects so far today, from NBA playoffs to MLB to a little Kentucky Derby action before turning our attention to LSU. 
baseball, women's basketball, and men's basketball, really touching on all aspects, shift our attention back to Major League Baseball, where we got a few games underway at the moment. Of course, a little matinee baseball is always fun on a Thursday to get your weekend started. Knotted up at the top of the ninth right now are those Chicago White Sox that James was mentioning earlier with the Minnesota Twins, 2-2. Two to two. Bottom of the first, Miami up 2-1 to one against Atlanta. In the bottom of the seventh, Baltimore Orioles tied up 8-8 to eight with the Kansas City Royals. And in the top of the sixth, the Brewers up on the Colorado Rockies 3 to nothing. And how about those Oakland A's struggling all year long? They're up on another team that's very underperforming, the Seattle Mariners. It's 3-2 to two in the bottom of the third. I've been waiting for this for almost two hours now. We're going to head on over to the game hotline and bring on my favorite caller, T. T, how goes it this Thursday afternoon, my friend? I'm doing fine, Big B. And yourself? Oh, man, enjoying this weather, ready for some LSU baseball this weekend. It's it's, it's a great time of year. I tell you, I, I hated to interrupt your uh, MLB seg- segment, but I was wondering if we could uh, – oh, well, I want to ask you one question. Yeah. How's Big Gert and the baby? Hey, Big Gert is fantastic, man. She uh, – as, as playful as ever – her, we call the baby Little G and, and Gert Big G. So Big G and Little G, <laughs> hey, they like two peas in a pod, those two, man. Really? Oh, yeah. The, so the, the baby awesome. loves to watch uh, Gert. <laughs> that's so awesome. You got to send me a picture. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a picture, T. I'll definitely do that for you. Okay. I hope you, you don't mind if I circle back to uh, horse racing. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh, I could never bet against my neighbor and uh, – Schoolmate, friend, and uh, that's Keith DeZormo with Confidence Gain. That's who you like so, in, in the big dance? Confidence Gain right now, 20-1, to 1, breaking out of the four I'm, hole. I'm betting it all on him. Not a bad-looking horse there. No, he, and he hadn't run, so he's fresh. Yeah, I about to say, he's, he's got to be fresher than everybody else. Open at 20 to 1, staying at 20 to 1. There'll be a lot of movement, you know, starting about tomorrow afternoon at this time. Once folks I'm get sure. over to the track for the Kentucky Oaks, you'll see a lot of movement there. Hey, if Confidence Game could, could pull off the win at 20 to 1, I might have to call you for a little steak dinner action. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, now, we, we grew up about half a mile apart from each other in the country. And and back then, not many of us had bikes. We had horses, though. <laughs> could that you outrun? Could you outrun his horse? Oh no, no, we <laughs> had quarter horses back then. So, but we did crazier things. Though I'll tell you that. <laughs> probably so, stuff we can't talk about on air. I'm sure. Probably and uh, a lot of coolies cross that we maybe we shouldn't. But uh, anyway, and uh, isn't it great to be a tiger? Oh, LSU. I mean, come on. In in all aspects, right? It seems like every sport, it seems to be clicking. Hey, on the baseball diamond, I'm telling you, if one guy could step up in this bullpen, I I mean, this team's just poised for big stuff in the postseason. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, guys, I love y'all's show, man. Y'all be good. I appreciate the call, T. My guy, T, always enjoyed T's call, man. T's always, uh, always a friend of the show getting involved, bringing us back to a little horse racing. 
You ain't never going to have to twist my arm much there. I, I, hey, I like to play the ponies every now and again. You, you ever get out there to Evangeline Downs, James, play the ponies? I do not. The only time I really <laughs> do horse racing was whenever GTA got <laughs> got their casino. I started going horse racing for the, for that part. My man, you, you always bring it back for me uh, in, in different aspects. I, I, <laughs> I never know what you're going to say. I can truly say that. Uh, we'll turn our attention out of the Houston Astros. We have Rob Fondo joining us next. I'd like to kind of tee up a few things right now. Just a game over 500, 16 and 15. They've been kind of just you know, just kind of mediocre, right? Middle of the road so far this year. Uh, and they can't seem to put together hits. They can't string them together. They, they're 20th in the league right now. I'm batting average at 240. Uh, they Pitching, which everybody seems to think is a concern, which makes me laugh. And I, I understand. Jose Uquirity on the, on the IL, and so is um, Luis Garcia now. But they're second in the league in ERA. Would you have guessed that? I mean, I, w- I definitely wouldn't have put them below the league average. I thought they still would have done pretty well because I'm looking at the games. It's not like they're giving all- a whole bunch of high single digits, like eight, nine, yeah. a whole bunch. Like the games they end up losing, they, like they're just not hitting. Yeah, it's you know? just the the bats aren't hot. I mean, Mauricio Dubon's been like the consistent guy. I mean, he's been the guy, right? Right. He coming in at three oh three batting average. I mean, Yardan's been pretty darn good, two sixty four. But he man, he driving in twenty seven runs. He seems to be the only guy that could get the timely hit with runners in scoring position. Of course, Jeremy Pena, you're really getting hot over the last couple weeks. Bringing the batting average up slowly but surely at 236, but he's been digging the long ball a little more. Six bombs now in the year for him. And Kyle Tucker's been the guy who's been a little cold here recently. He was kind of leading the team, especially with Yardon in and out of the the lineup with injuries. Now Kyle Tucker down to 259, batting average with five dingers. You know, he, he's somebody that really needs to get hot. And Alex Bregman, somebody who else who just can't seem to get it. You know, they, they not only need timely hits, they got to string some hits together. Yesterday, losing 4-2 to two, um, a- after winning Game 2 of that series, it was hopeful they could win Game 3, just couldn't couldn't do it. Couldn't get the hits going. Got a big hit later in the ball game, kind of bring that 3-2, thinking you had a chance. Couldn't come back last night. They'll get the night off tonight before turning their attention on the weekend as they're going to take on the Seattle Mariners is another team that we're talking about just struggling. Seattle coming in at 14 and 16, hovering around 500. Don't get me wrong. But this is a team a lot of people thought were poised to take that next step. You know, getting into the playoffs last year for the first time in, what, 30 years, 20 years, whatever it was, and finally getting into the playoffs and then seemed to just kind of be fluttering along at the start of the season. Long season, though. We mentioned earlier, hey, you, you could float around 500 for the first couple months. Good teams are going to make a run. I expect this Houston Astros team to go on a run. Wouldn't, but a few games back, they had won 7 out of 10. So it's not like they can't do it. They did it against better competition. This is a Houston Astros team over the last couple of years that plays up to the competition, seems to play down to the competition. And they've done that against the San Francisco Giants this week. But I think the schedule kind of softens up a bit here coming up. You get Seattle on the road, then you go to Los Angeles. But then you get to come back home and play the White Sox. You mentioned the White Sox took two out of three to start the season from you, and you get a chance to redeem yourself a little bit. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll bring on somebody who knows a little bit more. 
about the Houston Astros than me. Rob Fontenot is going to join us of the Astros podcast, and we're going to break all things down Houston Astros. So stick with us right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Austin's on the air from our sister station, News Talk 98.5. They're going to be hosting Downtown Live in this Cinco de Mayo. Join all of us from Delta Media Corporation at Downtown Live this Friday from Nathan Williams and the Zodico Cha Cha, followed by Lil Nathan and the Zodico Big Timers. Gates open at Park International at 5 p.m. on Friday. You know the routine eat, drink, sleep. And sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show. I'm Blaine Viator, filling in for the Blonde Bomber and enjoying this Friday Eve as we look to kickstart the weekend a day early with the fun we're having right here in the FCO Development Studios. We're going to head on over quickly to the game hotline and bring on my guy, Rob Fontenot of the Astros Baseball Podcast. Rob, how goes it on this Thursday afternoon? It's going good, buddy. How are you doing? Oh, can't complain. Astros get a day off today. Boy, did they need it. Seems like that home, (laughs) coming back home, didn't do them any favors. Yeah, the Astros are eight and eleven at home, and they're eight and four on the road. So, hopefully, that continues. They're going to Seattle and the Angels. Let's get some division wins and let's get back on top. Injuries just keep coming, especially to this pitching staff. Losing two starters to the IL this week. Who who can we expect to come in and maybe give us a spot start from from Sugarland? Well, today in Sugarland, uh, JP France was scheduled to start, and they skipped him. They put someone else out there. So that is my guess. J.P. France will get a start this weekend. And what does J.P. France bring to the table for the Strews? Well, J.P. France is a solid guy that will give you solid games. Um, he, he has experience. He's been up uh, with the Astros before. So I think it's a pretty solid choice. And I, I mean, look, th- this team is pitching's really not the issue, right? They, they're second in the league in ERA. It, it, they can't seem to hit the baseball right now. Outside of more, uh, Mauricio Dubon, consistently hitting doesn't seem to be found in this lineup. But when are the guys going to turn it on? I don't know. I mean, uh, when the Astros were winning, it's like Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker. The pitching staff was keeping him in the game, and it took like a big home run or something by one of those two guys. I know Dubon's really uh, doing well, and Corey Jolks is actually doing well. Jake Myers came back after his injury, and he's doing good too. But these guys aren't driving in runs. We, you know, uh, Jose Abreu's third on the team in hits. I think he's played every game of the year, but these guys aren't driving in runs, and that's what we need. It's timely hits. They just can't seem to find them. I mean, you mentioned Yardon Alvarez, 27 RBIs. That's an impressive number. But he's somebody that's been in and out of the lineup. Is that something that we expect from the big fella all season? Or you think we start to see a little more consistency of Yardon sticking in the lineup? I know he had an injury that he was dealing with. I believe it was his hands in spring training. Yeah, I don't even think he had a spring training. 
I think he's missed about six games this year. But uh, overall, he is someone that I think that Dusty will give a rest. I know Tucker, Alex Bregman, Pena, guys like that, They have, and Tucker, I, they haven't had a day off yet. Day off today is going to be welcomed by those young guys as they look to turn their attention this weekend in Seattle. Uh, this is a Seattle team that we, we talked about last segment. A lot of people really thought they were going to take that next step after getting into the playoffs last year, and they just kind of been just fluttering around, coming in at 14 and 16 on the year. Can't seem to get it together. They're about the same as the Strohs right now. Uh, is this what we can expect from the Mariners, or do you think that's still a team that's dangerous down the stretch? I think the Astros and the Mariners, even though they're not at the top, they're probably the two best teams in the AL West. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with Seattle. You know the Astros are missing Michael Brantley, who's seems like he's getting two doubles a night over there in Sugarland, <laughs> and he'll be back soon. We're missing Jose Altuve. So if you told me we were 16 and 15, two and a half games out of first place with no Altuve, I mean, most people would take that, but – Astro fans are just used to being on top, but they have a short memory. I mean, we were we started out bad last year. We started out bad almost every year. Alex Bregman is slow, Tucker slow, but we're going to be fine. If you if if you want to stay with the Astros here, I, they had this uh, series of games, right? They played. Uh, I called it the gauntlet. They had to play Toronto, the Braves. Tampa Bay, who's only lost like five or six games, and then Philly. They went eight and four against four of the best teams in baseball. So they have an issue of playing up when they have a good opponent and they play down when they have a a worser opponent, as an example, against the Giants. The Giants threw two guys out there that looked like Cy Young. They just couldn't get any hits. It's amazing how that works, you know. Like you mentioned, that ten days prior to that, they were just playing such good baseball, and then coming back home because couldn't get it going. I, look, this is we, we we've been talking about it all show. If you could hover around five hundred with a team like this, you get back Uncle Mike and Altuve, you're gonna go on some streaks where you're gonna win ten games and you're gonna win five games in a row and seven games in a row. It's gonna happen. This this lineup's just too talented, but it's about when you're gonna get those guys. You mentioned Uncle Mike just tearing it up down there with the Space Cowboys in Sugarland and and Altuve looks like he's getting back to taking uh ground balls, you know, doing baseball type activities. Are those two guys we could expect back soon? Well, Altuve is ahead of schedule. And I know he's uh they interviewed uh the bench coach in the last game and he said Altuve's like let me do more, let me do more. So I know Altuve's ready to get out there but they're not going to push him especially when they're, like you said, hovering around 500. I mean, don't put him out there till he's ready. If you notice him on the bench throughout the season, his cast is getting smaller and smaller. Now he just has a little thing over his thumb. Um, it says June, but I don't know. Maybe it'll be sometime later in the month. And about Brantley, I think there is a certain amount of time that he can be there. And, and I want to say it was 20 days, so – that's coming quick. It feels so like it's coming up on that. Be back. 
pretty soon. <laughs> For sure. Well, look, speaking about Altuve and the thumbs and the cast, one of my favorite tweets I've seen in the last week was they were interviewing Hunter Brown, and in the background, Altuve has his phone out, and he's texting with two thumbs, and leave it to Astro Twitter to post that picture and zoom in and say, hey, look, Altuve's texting with two thumbs with no cast on. He must be ahead of schedule. <laughs> yeah, he is, definitely. And uh, so speaking of Hunter Brown, I mean, the guy's been phenomenal. I know he had uh, an uncharacteristic, uh, I wouldn't say rough outing, just where he kind of struggled to find the strike zone for a little bit of time, walked the season high three batters that game and, and hit another guy. But he's somebody that just seems so poised and he seems like the moment's not too big for him. I just have a I think the future's so bright. I think before you know it, he's going to be at the top of this rotation with Framber. Oh, yeah, his last outing, if you watch the game, and a lot of people listening might have watched that game, he wasn't getting the same calls that the Giants pitcher was getting. And you could see that he was getting frustrated. But overall, man, I mean, Hunter Brown's a stud. He's going to be on a rotation for the next six years. The, the guy's amazing. No doubt about it. And, look, you mentioned Jose Abreu. You're saying third in the, on the team in, in, in hits but he just can't seem to drive anybody in or hit the long ball. He's having the longest stretch in his career without a home run. I think he's going on something like 90 games since he's hit a home run going into last year. He's a guy that obviously they're going to be patient with. They brought him in to play the position, but he's got to be able to break out of this this slump soon, right? And, I mean, can we even call it a slump if he's third in the team in hits? I I mean, people expect stuff from him, but if you look at his stats, if you go back year by year, I don't know what they are, but it's like, you know, he's a 30 home run guy. And last year, I think he had 18. His home run numbers were down, but he hit 303. And I'll take a guy like that any day. Especially in a lineup like this, as you would expect more guys to get on base. Are you looking forward to the series this weekend? How do you think the show is going to come out? Well, they're 8-4 and four on the road. So I'm, I'm going to say that they're going to at least win two of them. And then they go to L.A., the Angels on Monday. They'll take two of those, too. So I think we're going to be good. Well, there you have it. Four out of the next six, Rob Fontenot tells us. Rob, I appreciate the time, my man. We'll talk again real soon. All right. Thank you for having me on. Rob Fontenot of Astros Baseball Podcast joining us, breaking all things down, Houston Astros. I, I Seriously, James, that tweet of the Astros fans zooming in to notice that Altuve is texting with two hands, the cast is off. They're saying, hey, guy, you could text with two hands, you could feel ground balls in the majors. What say you? I don't know if it's quite the same, but it is a really good song. So my question is, and I, I mean, obviously, I, we all know what's going to happen is, Altuve comes back. Mm-hmm. What do you do, Mauricio Dubon, who's been, look, he just finished a 20-game hit streak. He's hitting over 300 on the season. He can play multiple positions. You know, I, nowhere in the infield is an option, right? You're not going to move Bregman, Pena, or, or Abreu, and we know two's coming back to take second. Right. Center field's an interesting spot. Chaz hadn't been here. You know, he's been hurt. Jake Mars has been pretty good. I mean, a better than you expected, but not like lighting the world on fire. Do you plug and play Mauricio in center, or does when Chaz come back, Chaz just gets center field back? I think you kind of plug him in there and kind of mess around with the lineup. I mean, still early in the season. Oh yeah, like Dusty's you, the king like this, of that. this is like this is perfect time to experiment to see like what works best for you. And it's gonna be interesting too. With 
Yardon kind of still battling the hand injury, kind of mm-hmm. been in and out. You know, he mentioned he missed six games. I think it's closer to eight because he missed he missed the whole series um, over in in Tampa. Then you you got Brantley coming back to play left. They're saying Brantley's going to play a little bit at first as well. That could be a, a position too. Maybe Mauricio Dubon might be able to slide in and play a little left field when you need a break or two from Yardine or, or Mike Brantley as well. So a lot of options for Dusty Baker to have. And it'll be interesting to see how he kind of shifts his way through as the Astros continue to find their way. We're going to step aside for the last time today. But when we come back, we're going to put a nice little bow on it right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This is the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game has a brand new app. It's now your one-stop shop for all things the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Download the free mobile app today on your Apple or Android device. Just search the game Southwest Louisiana. No matter where you are, you can listen to the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back in for the last time today. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for Jordy Holberg. And boy, did we have a large time. On Friday Eve, I've learned all kinds of stuff about video games from James Mesh. We talked, uh, you know, horse racing. It's been kind of all over the map, James. Yeah, I think we hit a lot with this show for sure. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of been uh, uh, not very consistent, but fun, right? You don't know what's going to come around the next turn. And that's what we gave you <laughs> this Thursday afternoon. Uh, as soon as uh, we got went to break a while ago, you, you got Matt Miguez coming in wanting to know how to get to the casino in Grand Theft Auto. I don't know if you could spell degenerate more than that, right? <laughs> how can I gamble on a video game that's not real? I, I just, I, I, you got to call it like it is, right? You kind of have to. And it was funny because he loves talking about how he loves playing the story mode of it. He's well, like, well, I've never seen it. I'm like, it's online. He's like, oh, that's why I play the story mode. I'm like, well, yeah, that's your issue. You play the story mode still for a game that came out ten years ago. Well, I, I, I'm, I gotta, I've never played, so I can't really have a, a vote on that. You don't have a horse in this I, race. I, I, wow, there you go. There you have it, James Mesh, coming in off the top ropes right there. We'll take a quick look at our poll question of the day: Should college football feel the need to avoid scheduling conflicts with the NFL? No, college can compete, still leads at 35.6. And I am a firm believer that college football made the call to the NFL and said, hey, look, this is what we're doing. We're not trying to compete. Can you guys just step aside? We're going to put our heavy hitters. We're going to have our playoff. It's not like I'm telling you you're getting, you know, Southwest Missouri State versus Alabama or something like that. You know, this is going to be playoff caliber teams in the first year of the extended playoffs. 
So you're telling me it's not Wyoming versus Arkansas Pine Bluff? No, this is going to be a, a marquee matchup that people are going to want to tune into. So I think they're going to be A-OK. We want to thank our guest from today, Kenny Smith of SB Winners, came on and talked all things Kentucky Derby. He gave you his thoughts and who he thinks is going to be there come Saturday in the Run for the Roses. Off air, our guy RP3 of RP3 and Company gave me Skinner, the number nine horse at 20 to one right now is his pick. Of course, Kenny told us that he thinks it's going to be the five. Tap it, Trice is going to be the pick for him. We also want to thank Matthew Bruni, who came on and talked all thing LSU. Tigers, he, he had a lot of good things to say about this upcoming recruiting class, including Dominic McKinley from right there at Acadiana High School, one of the top players in the entire country. Feels he's a lean to LSU and could pop at any time. And, of course, he told us the big news on the women's transfer front that he expects transfer from DePaul Morrow to pop at any moment. We're still watching to see if she takes the visit over to South Carolina. He didn't think that's going to happen. He thinks that she will be a Tiger any minute now. And, of course, we want to thank Rob Fontenot, who joined us and talked all things Houston Astros. He told you why you shouldn't press the panic button and just wait it out. Hovering around 500, you're getting back Altuve, you're getting back Mike Brantley. Something that we didn't talk about, James, you're going to get back Lance McCullers at some point this season, and that's another arm that you're going to add to the arsenal. Get a couple guys hurt right now, going to get a start from J.P. Who's the start? He said J.P. France is, is going to come in and give you a start this weekend. So a lot of, lot, lot to love still about the – the Houston Astros, and of course, the LSU Tigers is something that we talked about as well. Big series upcoming against the Auburn Tigers. Don't let the record fool you. After taking two out of three against South Carolina a weekend ago, Jay Johnson takes the, his LSU Tigers on the road to face Auburn in a matchup that I think is going to be a lot tighter than people can expect. This is a battle-tested group. They're not afraid to play from behind, and they'll outslug you if they have to. I think this can be a, a sort of a trap series for LSU if they're not careful. Looking for their third sweep in a row after sweeping both Alabama and Ole Miss, both West foes. You see another sweep, or what you going with, two out of three? I'm going to go with two out of three. I think two out of three is the safest bet. Uh, look, I will never bet against Paul Skeens on Friday night. That right, guys. You, you feel like that one, you'll take the win there. feel like you could see the win Saturday. Maybe drop then, a, a higher scoring affair on Sunday. But then you drop one on Sunday. I can see it. But look, the higher scoring matchup also with this lineup, man, good luck pitching to these LSU Tigers. Well, I had a great time with all of you filling in for Jordy Holberg. Don't go anywhere, though. You get a, a little bit of Matt Miguez and James Mesh right after the break. So stick around for a lot more fun on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.